Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. It is so good to be in the house of God. I was so glad when they said, let's go to the house of God. Amen. Well, again, welcome. I'm going to start with something funny. It's called a joke. Uh, <laughs> this old farmer, he uh, wanted to take his, his nephew camping for the very first time. And his nephew had all these degrees. He had like five degrees and a uh, very educated young man. So he took him camping and they set up the tent and quickly they fell asleep. And somewhere in the middle of the night, the, the old farmer woke up and he woke up his nephew and he said, what do you see? And his nephew said, uh, well, I see stars as far as the eye can see. And he says, no, no, no. What does it tell you? And his nephew said, well, uh, uh, metaf- uh, metaphorically or meteor- meteorologically, I can't say that word. He said, it tells me it's going to be a really, really good day tomorrow. And then he said, uh, astronomically, it tells me that there's probably a billion galaxies out there. And then he said, theologically, it tells me what a great God that we have. And, and the nephew said to the old farmer, he goes, what does it tell you? And the farmer said, it tells me that somebody's stolen our tent. Okay. I try my best anyway. <laughs> well, I'm so excited again that, that you're here despite the fact that I can't tell jokes real well. I, I, I do try, and I got a bit of a laugh out of that. But uh, what I'm going to tell you today, I, I believe it's going to change your life. And this is a real key that I've learned over the years, and it's something that uh, if you get a hold of it, you definitely are going to walk out different than the way you came in, or you're going to uh, walk out differently before, uh, after you watch this than you did before. It's something so powerful. I've called this, this uh, message as good as. As good as. And you're going to go, well, as good as what? Have you ever heard the term, you're as good as done? Or, you know, you're as good as finished. Or it's as good as over. Perhaps you were watching a particular game last Wednesday night, and uh, your, your team with the blue jersey was way ahead, and you thought, I'll just, uh, I'll just come back into the meeting, and I'll just turn off the television set, because it's as good as over. And then maybe you went back to that particular game, and you uh, clicked it back on, and you saw that it was over and your team lost. I mean, surprise, surprise, surprise. Uh, I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it's one of those things that uh, begs the question in our lives, what is it in your life that you would say it's as good as done, over, finished, as good as it gets? Maybe you're camped on a certain level in life and that level's got devils, higher levels, higher devils, bigger devils. Uh, maybe you're at that, that space in life where you, you're kind of thinking, this is as good as it's going to get. Maybe you're thinking, this is as good as done. Maybe it's with your health, your business, relationships, whatever it is. I'm here to tell you this morning that it's not as good as done or finished or over or uh, as good as it gets, but I'm here to tell you this morning, it's as good as God. And the way that that works out in your life, it's not going to fall into your lap. It's not going to just happen. But I want to give you a key to 
turn your, how, how, however you would say it, uh, as good as done, over, finished, or as good as it gets, I want you to turn that over to God this morning and learn something that I found in my life that is truly, truly life-changing, game-changing, and uh, will turn that whole thing around. As good as God. I want you to turn with me over to uh, Romans in chapter uh, 4. We're just going to read about Abraham here. See, most of us aren't afraid to fail. We're afraid to become a failure. Most of us will step out, even if it means that perhaps we're going to fail. Most of us will step out, to be honest, a lot of people today because of FOMO, fear of missing out. So you step out because you don't want to miss out. And, uh, but you don't like the fact that you fail, but that's not such a big deal. The whole point is don't become a failure. Don't let failures be your identity and cause you to be fail, a failure. So in Romans chapter 4, it says this. I love this. It says, without weakening in his faith, he, Abraham, faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about a hundred years old, <laughs> I guess so. I don't think anybody in this room is a hundred years old. Uh, and Abraham and Sarah's womb, it says, was also dead. I love the fact that Abraham didn't walk in denial about his age. He didn't walk in denial. He faced the fact that you are a hundred years old, great grandpappy. Your wife is old too. She's only about a year behind you and, and you are a hundred. He faced the fact. Faith doesn't uh, call us to deny the fact. It calls us to face the fact. Yeah. Face it. Don't faith it, fake it, but face up to it. Don't deny it. Face up to it. Whatever you're not facing up to, it's never going to change. We have to face up to things in life, but we front up with faith. We, we face up and then we front up with the power of God. And since he was about 100, verse 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding, here it is, the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. The key here. Uh, it's not to deny it. It's not to turn your back on it. It's not to try to hide whatever it is that you might be failing in. And for him, it was probably failing in his health. He's getting, getting on. For his wife, she can't, in the natural, bear children. It's just not physiological. It's impossible. But uh, he was strengthened. He, he, he regarded the promise of God as something he believed in. And he was strengthened in faith and gave glory to God. I love verse 21, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Uh, whatever it is that you're facing right now, the whole thing is to dial up and to tune into the promise of God in your life. The uh, faith tunes into that. It dials up and it is fully persuaded, not doubting, not wavering, but to become fully persuaded that what God had the power to do, he will do it as he promised. Now, read on to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 12, talking about the same person, Abraham. And so from this one man, and he as good as, that's where I got the title, as good as. <laughs> he as good as dead came descendants as numerous 
as the stars in the sky. That's where I got the tent joke. And as countless as the sand on the seashore. He was as good as dead in the natural. It was as good as finished in the natural. As good as over. It's as good as it gets in the natural. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but somebody here needs this message because you may not have said it quite like this, but you've thought it. And in the natural, you look and you go, is this as good as it gets? It looks like it's as good as dead. Perhaps it's that business or relationship. I, I don't want to live as good as done. I want us to wake up that it's as good as God, as good as God's promises, as good as we are fully persuaded that what God said, God's going to perform it. Sarah was better than, uh, than, than dead. I mean, she, her womb was not going to give uh, any kind of child. The promise was the child. It was, it was Isaac, but the, but the natural says, you're dead. You're gone. It's finished. You're as good as gone. Wake up. This morning is a time for us to wake up. I, I, I'll tell you this. You are better than what your circumstances say that you are right now. If you have a promise from God, you are better than what your circumstances say right now. You are as good as the promise, not the circumstances. It's not Groundhog Day. We're not going to live this whole thing over and over and over. God hasn't called you just to uh, exist, uh, circling your airport, so to speak. God has not called you to stay at one level. God has not declared that the game is over until the whistle blows, and it's actually over. And that's not happening because you're still sucking in air. Your heart's breathing. You're here this morning. You're watching this morning. So today, I am declaring for you, turnaround day. Not Groundhog Day. Today is turnaround day. Amen for somebody. So it's bringing back the dreams that were as good as dead. It's bringing back the aspirations that perhaps were as good as dead. It's bringing back hope that was as good as, as dead. It's bringing back health that might be as good as dead. Whatever it once was alive, it's bringing that back to life again. God wants to breathe his promise into your life. Now, how does that happen? Ezekiel 37. I love it because we sang that song, and I didn't know they were doing that song. I didn't tell them to do it, rather, uh, 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 about the dry bones for Adelaide. You know, this is the sound. What a great song. Ezekiel 37, listen to this. <sighs> Verse 1, the hand of the Lord was on me, talking about the prophet Ezekiel, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. I've been down in the catacombs in Rome and some other places where you go on tours and you see bones. And, and you know, some places you can see skulls of people that were beheaded, like Cambodia, places like that. You look at that, you think, wow, these people lived one day. They were alive, and now it's all these bones. I remember one tour, it was exactly that. It was all these skulls, and I'm thinking, this is freaky, man. This is really, really weird, because all those skulls were beautiful faces, perhaps. They had, you know, they had brains in them. They were living, breathing people, and now they're just dead bones, dead people. And, and God brings the prophet down into the valley, he has to face up to the fact that there are just nothing but bones here. It is, in the natural, it's a dead place. It's a death valley, so to speak. It's not denial time. And he says to the prophet, he, he leads him down there by the Spirit of God, and it says he, he led me back and forth among them. Sometimes we, we toss and we turn. 
If you're anything like me, when you get something on your mind, it's like, you know, I just can't sleep. I'm just thinking, but I'm thinking about possibilities. Like I'm tossing, I'm turning. It's like, whew, I just got to slow down here. I just got to get to sleep. And, and, and he's walking back and he's walking forth in the valley of dry bones, it says. Uh, he saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. In other words, in case there's any doubt whether these are dead or not, they are very dry. They are dead, dead. There's nothing in them that says life. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? Can Abraham and Sarah at 199 199. Uh, can, can, can they? It doesn't matter though, does it really? 100 or 99. 100 and, can these bones, can they live? Well, in the natural, no, of course not. But he says, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. I like that. He's leaving the door open for the miraculous. He's not shutting the door. He didn't go, no way. Of course not. This is stupid. These bones will never live. Abraham and Sarah didn't go, that's ridiculous. We can't have a child. It's, it's over. It's as good as dead. And then the Lord said, he said to me, prophesy. Now we're getting into something here. This is the key word for this morning, for your situation. Uh, we're going to get in. We're going to unpack this a little bit, but uh, I want to say this. Whatever your definition of prophecy is, and some people think, oh, it's fortune-telling. It's, you know, telling the, the future. Wrong. There's an element of that at times, of course, but this is so powerful. If you put it out into that category, then there'd be no hope for you ever to walk in, in, in this thing called prophecy. That's where most people are. They, they don't get it. They can't do it. They think it's out there with the fairy somewhere, and it's not for them today. Hold with me on that. He said to me, prophesy to these bones. And say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now, some of you might have known that recently I, was, uh, I had a dog grab a hold of the end of my nose and rip the end of it clean off. And, uh, and I had a um, plastic surgery that day. Straight away in there, it was terrible. The end was missing. I thought, I'm going to go around in life looking like a pig now, like the end of my nose is gone. And uh, they said, no, 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 we're going to take a graft, skin from the side of your ear, put it on the end of your nose, and, uh, you know, we believe you can, we can make your nose look, look pretty good. I'm thinking pretty good isn't good enough. And, uh, you know, that's just a scary thought. <laughs> well, the flesh didn't take from, uh, from the graft that they took from in front of my ear here. It just died, which was terrible because it stunk, and I, I don't want to gross you out, but, you know, the nose is what you smell with. <laughs> so I'm at bed night. I'm going, man, Gail, do you smell something? It's like, no, I don't smell anything. I'm thinking, man, this is terrible. It just smells really rotten. Like, what's, what's going on? Does something die around here? You know, it's like when I'm eating, I'm thinking, is this food off? Like, I'm just smelling this terrible smell. And then I realize, gasp, shock, horror, the graph didn't take. And the skin's dead. It's dying. It's like as good as gone. And watch that rubbing off and everything. And I went into the uh, to see the plastic surgeon, and the nurse greeted me first. And she says, uh, she told me the obvious. She goes, "Well, the graft didn't take, so they're going to have to do another one where they cut a whole bunch of flesh here on your forehead and flap it over on the end of your nose." And I'm thinking, I'm going to be. 
pretty disfigured for life. Like, this is terrible. <laughs> like, whoa. I missed a few weeks preaching, and Pastor Brian preached up a, a storm. It was amazing. And, uh, you know, I was happy uh, watching, you know, from home on television, like some of you guys are watching right now. Uh, but anyway, then the plastic surgeon, or plastics they call him, came in. And he goes, the graft didn't take. And I'm like, oh, yeah, really? Wow, okay. <laughs> and he goes, uh, let me have a look. And he goes, it's actually better for you that the graft didn't take because your nose has grown back. And he said, that's amazing. Doctors won't say it was a miracle. They just don't utter the word miracle. They're just not supposed to do that. But his words were, that, that's amazing. That's truly amazing. You're going to get a better result with your nose because the graft didn't take. Now, right now, my nose has grown back. Uh, I could touch it right now. There's actually nose on the end. It doesn't stink anymore. Uh, the healing process is, is, is still going on there. But uh, my point is, I didn't know how God was going to do it, but I kept my eyes on Jesus, not on my nose. Sometimes we, we have our nose uh, on what stinks in life, and we don't have our focus on the one who smells beautiful, Christ the healer, the fragrance of God called faith. We, amen. We get our eyes and our ears and all of our senses focused so much on the dry bones, on the problem, on, on whatever's dead that stinketh instead of on Christ the healer that healeth. And prophecy, is, you're going to see how this comes into play. And so the Lord said, uh, I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. That's what he said to prophesy to these bones. In verse 6, I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. Amen. And you know why I brought that story up? Because this is the scripture that I stood on. A friend of mine who, who uh, you know, I shared this with, who's a real prayer, he goes, man, you just need to get into Ezekiel 37. You need to get into Ezekiel 37 and proclaim that, uh, that word of God over your nose. And we did that, and I prayed, and I just kept talking about, this is good. Uh, there's going to be flesh. There's going to be uh, skin. He says, I'll put breath in you. You will come to life, and then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, verse 7, as I was commanded, See, sometimes, you know, we look at the Bible, we see all these incredible things there, we think, well, that was for them. It's not for me. That happens to somebody else, but it doesn't happen to me. I'm here to tell you right now, this is a turnaround time for you. The, the word of God that God speaks is for you. You just need to grab a hold of that promise and have a perspective that's bigger than the problem. And that perspective is the promise. God will do it in your life. And so there was a noise. He started prophesying. There was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, hallelujah, but there was no breath in them. See, there's no good for us to just have a body like a zombie walking around with no breath. The breath of God needs to fill that promise, that dream. It's, it's, it's more than just a skeletal structure uh, of whatever it is that you're planning, the organization. It's important, you know. Without, without our skeletal structure, without a skeleton, what would we be? We would just be a big blob of mostly water. <laughs> you know, blomp. 
we'd be like a jellyfish. We'd have to, somebody throw, throw me in the ocean because I can't stand up on dry land. You couldn't stand up. You couldn't walk. You need the structure in your life. You need the skeleton in your life. You need to organize and plan in your life, but you also need God to breathe into that situation his life and his breath, and that's what prophecy does. So he said, prophesy to the breath. First, we're prophesying to the body. We're prophesying to bones. Tendons start to form. Flesh starts to form. Now he says, now prophesy again. Speak to the breath. And listen to this. Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to to it. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath. That's why we come to church. Come, breath, from the four winds and breathe into these slain. That they, are, that they may live. And so I prophesied as he had commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Question mark. What if the prophet said, that's ridiculous, I'm not going to do that? What if he had the attitude that so many quote-unquote believers, Christians have today? Oh, well, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen, he'll do it. You want to do it, God? Just do it. I'm not going to do that. That's stupid. I'm not going to prophesy. I'm not going to speak to bones. I mean, come on. Really? It's as good as. It's going to be as good as you step up and speak out and believe for the breath of God to hit your situation. That might be during praise and worship. That's why I'm telling you right now, when there's worship happening in the house of God, don't miss it. Don't think there's something more important. Get up earlier. Get in there. Get your hands in the air. Start to believe God for the breath of God to fill you. If you're in church, be in church. Occupy the space that God has called you. The church would be a a poor social club, believe me. Pastor one. The church would never be. It's not a great form of entertainment, but it's, it's awesome with filling people with the pneuma. That's the, the, uh, the Greek word pneumatic. We, we get pneumatic tools from, from the breath of God coming into your situation, hope rising up in your heart. And he says, prophesy even to the breath. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you uh, up from, from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you that you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it, declares the Lord. What is God saying? God is saying this. You have the ability to speak and even higher with the Spirit of God to prophesy into your situation. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, we're, we're running here very quickly, but I'll, I want to show you what, uh, this is New Testament, this is Paul talking here, he knew what he was talking about. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. He says this, Follow the way of love, and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, Especially, especially prophecy. Do you know all those gifts that are listed in there? And there's gifts of healing, there's, there's utterance gifts, knowledge, word of knowledge, uh, words of wisdom. 
You know, we don't tend to back away from any of those, but then we come to prophecy, and it's like, well, I'm not a prophet. Well, <laughs> you're not a, a healer is in that ministry possibly either, but you still believe God for healing. You're, 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 you're not a, a person that just knows everything and walks in the, in the word of knowledge perhaps, you know, full on, full time, but you still believe God for the supernatural to come to know what to do in different situations. And he says this to the body in large. He says, desire spiritual gifts, especially this one. Why? Because this gives you the, the, the ability to speak the promise of God into your situation and see your situation turn around. It's God's reason above your reasoning. So many of us, are we've just in the valley of dry bones and we walk around in our own reasoning, captivated in the thoughts of our mind and doubt and unbelief. And then, you know, we get other people that will compliment us and say, oh yeah, don't expect much. Uh, we had that too. I, I had a friend that had that and they died. Oh, great. That's exciting. Thank you so much for, for being so positive. But when God speaks a word into your life, then he wants to breathe through that word. He wants to wants you to prophesy, to speak out the promise. That's simply what it is. It's speaking out the promise of God in your life, being fully persuaded that what God promised, he will bring it to pass. I will not deny the circumstance, but I will breathe the word of God into that circumstance. Prophecy is not when a prophet comes to town. It's not just something from, from a stage or a platform. Yea, verily, you know, the Lord was saying to you. That certainly happens, and I love it. You have the ability to speak spirit, breathe, promise words into your situation in your life so that what was once as good as done, finished, as good as it gets, can become as good as God, as good as the promise, as powerful as the platform of God's word above the problem. God has got you in that one, but you've got to speak it out. Prophecy is the spiritual architecture that draws your dreams. That's pretty good. i got to admit that one. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 20. Do not despise prophecies. What does that mean? You see, anything with power comes with a warning. And this is a warning because this thing is very, very powerful. And the main thing that people do, and it's a tendency, is to despise it when it doesn't come to pass as quickly or the way that we thought it was going to come to pass. We tend to despise, oh, well, I don't know if that was a word from God. I, I kind of doubt it now because I'm looking at these, you know, I'm in the valley, these dry bones are all, all over, you know. I'm 100 years old. My wife, she's past childbearing age, and, you know, I, don't, I just can't see it's going to happen. Listen to the NIV version of, of 1 Thessalonians 5.20. It says, do not treat prophecies with contempt. Do not treat the word of God that God has spoken into your life, do not treat that with contempt. In other words, stop doubting it, stop talking against it, start, stop talking down, start to talk up. Last week we did, uh, not last week, the week before, I did a message called Speak Up. Get your vocabulary up where the word of God is. Get your vocabulary to the highest heaven. Get your, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Speak out the promises of God. Prophesy that into your life. When that happens, a dream starts to, to, to break forth. See, when you are what God says who you are, 
not, not what you do and not, not what's done in your life, but start to see that, uh, that, that you can get lost in who he is and what he's doing, and the dream will break forth. Prophecy is when you speak forth what God shows you, who you really are, what God says belongs to you, not just the facts. And structure starts to form. Dry bones, situations come alive. Your position starts to change. But you've got to start somewhere. I see people all the time, and you do too. They don't know where to start because they're so overwhelmed. I see this with physical exercise. It's like, wow, I've let myself go so far. I'm so far out of shape. I wouldn't even know where to start. Well, here's where you start. Start! <laughs> start. I'll make it even, I'll give you the expanded version, okay? Start somewhere. <laughs> and the somewhere to start when it comes to changing as good as dead to as good as God and his promise to see your situation flip, the, the place to start is start speaking it out. Start to move your mouth. Start to get your tongue lined up with the promise of God's word. We all talk way too much. I see this all the time. Whenever somebody falls or somebody messes up in the kingdom, a preacher, or whatever, 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 it'll go around the world and boom, like a lightning flash. Everybody knows quickly. What about the promises that God's given you? How quick are you to speak those things out into situations and into problems? And how much do we hold back from speaking that out? We don't know where to start. We won't start. Start moving your mouth. Start to declare the promise of God. Start to look at the promises in the Word of God. And God will speak through His Spirit. And He'll say, that one's for you, like He did with, with my nose. He said, that one in Ezekiel, that's yours. I'll put new flesh on that nose. You, you know, don't worry. You're going to get another nose, and it's not going to be from ear. An ear's an ear, and a nose is a nose. I want you to have a nose. Glory to God. Start with your speech. Even if you can only say this, I just want to get started, God. I want something to change. I'm going to start. Start small, but start. Speak into your situation. What happens, you know, we see this in the Word of God, that God says, okay, Jer there's Jericho, that's a big problem. They go into the promised land, you might read about that back in the book of Joshua. <laughs> Moses can't take him in, Joshua takes him in, they go across, God parts the, uh, the Jordan, they walk across on dry land, everything's good, everybody's sailing along, God did a miracle, and, and once they get in there, God says, okay, now it's your, your turn. But what, what do you mean my turn? Like, uh, just get rid of the enemy, kill them all. No, 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 it's your turn now. There's giants, there's an enemy. There's this huge fortified wall called a problem. It's like something between you and God's provision. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to walk around that thing. Just walk around it. it takes a long time to walk it around it. And then at the, on the seventh day, you know, I want you to walk around that thing and then get ready to shout. 
I want you to shout. I want you to make a noise. I want you to be quiet until you can meditate that promise into your life and then get ready because I'm going to cause you to shout. God puts Judah, which means praise. He puts the, the tribe of praise out there first. They're the musicians. That's why we start our service with praise and worship. Judah comes up before uh, preaching or the word of God. Simeon means hearing. Simeon's, you know, way back there. Judah's right up there, right up the front. Before you ever hear the word of God, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But what do we send up first? We send our praises. We send Judah out there first. Judah's going to lead it. Not the soldiers, not uh, fighting in our flesh and, and grappling with our problems. We're not going to put you know, the mighty men coming up there first with their swords and, and bow and arrows or whatever. No, 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 no. I'm putting what looks like the weakest thing out in front because it's not actually the weakest thing. Yeah, it's the most powerful thing. Yeah. We do when we sing these songs? These songs are prophecy. So when you're singing, why don't you think about it as prophesy? I, you know, I'm really bad at words with songs, so I'm not going to butcher what we just sang with the bones rattling song, but we will sing it later on. But you know, those words are from Ezekiel 37. Those those words and other words that we sing, they're they're from the Word of God. And when you start to speak those out into the air, even if you can't sing, say them. <laughs> Get them out there. Start to own that. Start to let God breathe through that. Put Judah out there first. Get out there first. For the walls to come down around your problem, listen to this, the walls have to come down around the promise. Some of us, <laughs> we don't know how to get the walls of Jericho, the walls around the problem down because we don't go to the promise. We've got walls there. As if. It's as good as. Again, title of the sermon. The walls have to come down around the promise. In other words, you have to be fully persuaded that what God, God has promised is going to come to pass. You, you start to speak that promise out. The walls start to drop around the promise. Then you go to the problem, and the walls around the, uh, the problem will start to drop down. Then you got the promise. Do you understand how that works? The walls have to come down around the promise, when, and that happens when you prophesy your promise instead of your problem. So many people know what the problem is. The problem, the problem, the problem. You hear it all the time. The problem, the problem is. Well, you know, I would do that, but the problem is. And then you hear the problem, and eventually I just give up, and I go, yeah, you're right. Just take that problem to the bank. Take it to the grave. For you, it's as good as it's going to ever get. Until you learn the power of life and death is in the tongue, and those that eat it, those that love it, will eat it. It says the fruit from that is incredible, but you've got to get the promise from your heart out, out your mouth. In 2 Corinthians 6 12, listen to this in the message. We're about to close. 2 Corinthians 6 12 message says, We didn't fence you in. The smallest smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. It's Smallsville. For some, it might be the Truman Show. I don't know. You're, you know, life under the dome. For some, it's Groundhog Day. You can see I like movies. Whichever way you want to have it, it's not the will of God for you. 
You don't need to live in Smallsville. You don't definitely don't want to live in the Truman Show where there's no problems, no wind, no, there's just nothing. Uh, have a nice day. Yeah, good day. To, I don't know, whatever he says, you know, Jim Carrey. Good morning, good day, and good night, or something like that. <laughs> I just want us this morning, I'd like the music team to come up. Thank you. I believe God's speaking to some people here. I want us to frame this up. I don't want us to look at the problem and say, where's God? I want us to look at, the, at God and say, where's the problem? When you step up, you take a platform above the problem. That's what prophecy is. It's a vocabulary high above the vocabulary of problems and dilemmas and as good as and list all the problems. It's stepping up. Like I said, it's stepping up with a reason above your reasoning. That's prophecy. But it's got to come out. It's got to come out your mouth. When you believe it, when you're fully persuaded, you can't help it coming out your mouth. It just has to. It's just like burst out there. That's all, I, I, I can't explain it any other way, but it's like uh, I'm so full of, of the promise and God breathes onto that that I can't take any more in. It's just got to come out. And when it comes out, I start to speak it and I realize now something's going on. Now it's not the problem that's so huge. It's my God that's so huge. It's not where is God in the problem. It's where is the problem now that God starts to breathe. Where's the problem in the face of God? To me, that happens in worship. That happens in, in meetings like this. That happens when I take my time and, I, and I'm reading the Word of God in the mornings and going for walks and I start to meditate the problem. I start, uh, promise rather, and I start to speak that out. Your life is not as good as over, good as done, good as it gets. Your life is as good as God. And we've got to get the promise of God out there in front purposely. I don't know if you've ever been in a long line, maybe at a theme park. You think, oh man, it's like a three minute ride. It's like an hour wait in line. Wouldn't it be nice to jump the queue? I don't know if you've ever been upgraded or not. You know, Gail and I got upgraded once flying to Africa. And we got upgraded to first class, not business class, first class, baby, like, whoa. No money, no extra money, just come with us. We've upgraded you to first class. We were like, and we saw some people that were very, very rich from the Sunshine Coast on the same flight, or they're from, uh, maybe it was England or something. We knew them anyway. And they're like, what are you doing? Like they had the money to, you know, they paid for their first class ticket, we didn't. And they're looking like, well, somebody must have something. And I'm like, yeah. This is really good. This is awesome. The only trouble is our son was on the flight. He wasn't going to sit in economy. He's like, I'm up in first class. So he's, you know, no, you got to go back to economy. No, I'm not going to sit back. He's little. <laughs> and so his mother swapped with him because she loves him. Dad didn't. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever gone to a show or a sporting event. We did this one. <laughs> It was, a, it was a rugby game, actually. Australia was playing somebody, and 
first rugby game union that I'd ever been to. We saw all these empty seats down there. We were up in the nosebleed section. It's like, let's just upgrade ourselves. Let's, let's cut the queue, let's go to the front. So my friends and I, we went down there, waited till the usher wasn't looking. This is terrible, I know, this is very terrible. I've, I've repented afterwards, but. And then we went, sat down. But then there was this really uneasy feeling. What if the people who own the seats, who have the tickets legitimately come back? And you know what they did? They were at some kind of a party. They have, you know, having drinks and things before the game. And then, because they were members of whatever, and then they came back. It's like, you're in our seats. Okay, we'll move down. And then you're in our seats. Okay, we'll move up. You're in our seats. Then the usher comes over. Show us your tickets. Ah, uh, <laughs> really? Oh, see you later. Goodbye out there. You've got a ticket from God. You've got the Word of God. You've got the authority of the Almighty, the one that created the whole thing out there and those stars, those galaxies, uh, more galaxies than sands uh, on the seashores. You've got promises from God. If you got a promise from God, then my goodness, get pregnant with it. Get it to the point where you can't help it and get it out there into the atmosphere where that problem is because it's not as good as all the rest. It's as good as God and as good as God promise and be fully persuaded. Amen and amen. All right. Well, I want to pray for uh, those that are watching and those that are here. The most important thing that you can do, honestly, Jesus is called the Word of God. He's the promise. He's all the promises all in one. And I want to give you a chance to ask him into your life right now. So if you'd like to bow your head and close your eyes, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you'll just say this out loud and really believe this in your heart, the Bible says you will be saved. You say, saved from what? Certainly, you'll be saved for eternity. You'll definitely be his child, but also saved from a lot of stuff in this world as well that needs saving. Amen? So I want you to pray with me out loud. We're going to pray the prayer right here with you. And I want you to say this. Dear God, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I give you my heart, and I thank you I'm yours. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net. Or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.